to our daily gun show coming live every weeknight at midnight eastern we talk about guns for about an hour uh, we've got people joining us tonight from all over the country we've got david jumping in from florida thanks for joining yeah thanks for having me we got dead horse jumping in from utah howdy everyone we've got a gizzard fresh off of uh clover's chat uh jumping in from kansas Thanks for the invite. And Snowy, where are you from again? I am from Wisconsin, and thanks for having me, G. You bet. And uh, I am in, you can hear the wind blowing of New Mexico. So, same New Mexico sucks. I'm just saying, it's pretty windy. Now, New Mexico is pretty awesome. Got lots of cool dash cam footage. And I don't know, we have to talk about the tour, uh, but we can also talk about the topics today. Now, is that distracting, or is my mic picking that up? It seems pretty loud. It's picking it up a little bit. But we can still hear you. Go right ahead. All right. So uh, our topics today are, do you really need to clean your guns, and how to get into the ammo biz? So we can take those in any order and begin. Well, I know with the ammo, I've been kind of looking into that a little. Um, and you need an 06. Uh, FFL license in order to manufacture and sell ammo, from my understanding, is it's called the 06. And apparently, it's a lot easier to get than a lot of the other types of uh, FFLs. Does anyone has anyone else looked into that? Ever looked into getting a? No. What about the liability side? It would be my first question. That's what I've all the buds would tell me whenever you try to think about something like that. But then when you say it's easier, what about the hazmat? Oh, definitely. Uh, you're definitely going to be paying hazmat shipping for, you know, drums of powder coming in, right? Because if you're actually manufacturing ammo, you're probably not buying your powder in one or even eight pound bottles. You're probably buying it in like 50 gallon drums is what I'm thinking, right? Like if you're really manufacturing ammo, you're buying everything in huge bulk. So yeah. So I, I don't think there's a big problem shipping it out hazmat because you just ship it out hazmat, right? And as long as you follow their uh, their rules, um, yeah, but I think receiving everything in 50 gallon drums and storing it and stuff like that, that's, yeah, that's going to be a, a thing. Well, I think the other thing with that is, too, is you're going to have to look at your disposal of if you are ordering it in 50 gallon drums, you have to look at there's a because it's a hazmat, it's considered to be a hazmat material inside the drum. You're also going to have to look at special uh, circumstances of getting rid of those 55 gallon drums, too. It has to go through a specific uh, company to get rid of hazardous materials normally, at least as far as I know. So you're saying once the powder's in the drum, now the drum will be considered a hazmat item, like once it's taken out? 
Yeah, because of there would be residue on it. I come from, uh, I used to work for a company where we did, uh, we repaired rectifiers for plating. And a lot of the chemicals that they would get for plating were considered to be hazardous material. Well, because of the residue that was remainder remaining in the drums, they actually had to have a company that would uh, dispose of those 55-gallon drums in a special way as well. I don't know. I'm almost thinking with gunpowder, though, it's not a liquid or anything, and I don't really see it impregnating itself into the steel. I could see it leaving a dust behind, but nothing in air hose couldn't take care of, really. Like I, I don't know. I don't... As far as I know, my buddy that uh, reloads for all of the shops around here, he gets cardboard boxes with, like, the big, thick plastic bags and they have, I think, 25 pounds per box is the max that they send. And you just throw the plastic bags away. He doesn't, you know, have to get rid of them in any special way. They just, they just wash them out with water so there's no powder residue left behind. And dispose of them in the dumpster. That makes sense. Yeah, it's probably got some type of special process he's supposed to follow to get rid of that. But yeah, that would that would actually make sense a lot more at, now that I'm thinking about it. And then the insurance, like you're going to have a big insurance premium, right? I can just imagine calling up an insurance company and being like, yeah, I need insurance for my ammo manufacturing company. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. and especially if you're running that out of your house or your garage or something, that, that, that would probably even up it versus having a commercial building with the sprinkler system. Are you talking insurance to insure your building and your supplies? Or are you talking liability insurance because you're building something that you're going to get sued for? Yeah, I'm not even talking the liability yet. I'm just talking like your building or your house, your home, your business, you know, your supplies, equipment. I'm just talking just that has got to be a fortune, not even getting to the liability insurance yet. <laughs> well, uh, my thought process on it is, isn't it possible for your homeowner's insurance to completely drop you at that point if you were yes. doing it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's what I was also going to mention. A lot of business owners that own commercial property will not rent or lease a property to you if those are your intentions because that is very dangerous they consider that like a very big risk and you have your insurance is astronomical i would think one uh, thing that you could do to limit a lot of those risks and costs and liabilities and stuff would be to use something that uses very, very little ammunition or very little lead or very little powder, like a nine millimeter. Probably isn't even need to regulate. Be like making BBs. Yeah, gee, I don't even think you have to have an FFL to manufacture nine millimeter. You just need the one F. That's it. All right. Well, is there anything else with manufacturing ammo? 
They just I was just trying to Google to see if I could find out like how much some other people are paying. And uh, one guy mm -hmm. says that for all for everything, and I don't know if this is the liability too, but for everything, he's paying twenty six thousand a year. So that's you know a little over two thousand a month. So that's got to be probably for liability, his building, like everything. So that that's a big, huge. That's a lot, man. Like you guys, so you got to look at like, oh, I got to make more than twenty six thousand a year just to pay for insurance. But we don't know his setup and all that. And it might be, like I said, I'm sure there's a big difference whether you got it in your house versus like a commercial building with like sprinkler systems and stuff like that. So then to play devil's advocate, if you go to get a gun shop, you need a building probably, although you don't need one, depending on if you can get you know, zoned, you can run a gun shop out of a room of your building, a house or a room of your office building or something. So you need some kind of physical location though. And you need some inventory and you need a bound book. And then you need some insurance, maybe, and then maybe a phone line and some some stuff like that. So you got a monthly in uh, monthly expenses. But as far as like what would it be, capital or whatever you call like, you know, the actual guns and stuff you invest in to make money, you could start with a few guns and then once those guns sell and you make a little bit of profit, you invest that back in more guns and so on forth. And then you got hundreds of guns in your shop with ammo, isn't it? You've got to buy all that stuff up front or at least more cost. Up Pretty front. much. Yeah. yeah. You got to have everything up front. You got to have all the tools to do it. You need all the stuff you need with a regular FFL because that's just everything you need with any business almost, right? Except for maybe the requirement of having a physical location. They, they make an FFL have a location. You can just start a regular business anywhere. But as far as like, you know, there's a certain amount of shit you're just going to need because every FFL needs it. And then additionally, you've got, you know, you got all that infrastructure of machines and labor i don't know how much it costs to run machines but you can't just do robots right after that but then you're still going to invest in lead and powder and all that and a recipe that's interesting that people want to buy right you can duplicate and how involved are you going in how involved are you going into in this business are you making your own projectiles like smelting the lead or are you just buying them already pre-made so there's even you can go like way in depth into that manufacturing process too you know, you start swaging and making your own brass. And, I mean, like, I mean, you like how in depth is your manufacturing process going to be? I was thinking about doing individually hand hammered Damascus projectiles. Ooh, and a fifty cal. Yeah, not twenty two 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 three. Little tiny Damascus. <laughs> All right, well, anybody else want to throw anything else in about starting the ammo business? Is it worth doing the ammo business? Uh, we're going to go left to right. David, you getting in the ammo business? Yes or no? Yes. I think there's money to be made in it as long as, you know, the area that you're in isn't saturated. Dead horse, yes or no? Yes, as long as it, you don't get too involved in it. As long as you're 
I don't know. I, I, I want to do it as a primary job, as like a second source of income, a hobby, stuff like that. Yes. Interesting. Gizzard? Wouldn't be something I'd do, but I could see somebody who really knows what they're doing getting into it. And it's not. Sorry, I missed it. My internet had dropped out for a minute there. Uh, going into the gun business? Yes or no? I would avoid it. Um, I think I'd have to throw down something like what David said, depending on what your niche is. Like if, maybe a mix of what a couple of you guys said. If you knew you're going into it for a niche and you weren't trying to make it your only source of income, but you either saw where somebody's missing something and you could fill that, or uh, if you really just want to reload and now that you know there's somebody out there who would be buying your bullets from you so you'd make it worth your while, I can see doing it. But yeah, I don't know if it would be a money-making thing. It's one of those things where you're at the mercy of the markets to some extent, like the lead and the powder and stuff come from certain sources. And then what do you call it? like trends or tastes? You know, so all of a sudden everybody's into all these different calibers. What's everybody sitting on 2 3 powder? What are they going to do? Well, the way I look at it too, is I also look at it, you're kind of, for me, it would be a, it's a risky business being in the gun business in general, because a lot of the time it does depend on the political spectrum in this country as well. So I look at it for the volatility that would come with the business, which can be a risk if you're betting at all on that's how you're going to make your living and survive. You could lose it all pretty quick too. Just remember that realized I forgot to post on the main page of gun channels of my life. So I'm doing that right now. So every day we like to feature one of the members over on gun channels. And since I'm posting on the page right now, uh, why don't we let Snowy pick somebody today? Who are we gonna feature? Ooh, that's a hard one. Actually, since he's in the chat and I feel like he uh, deserves a good shout out, I would like to feature Gary today. Right now, I haven't featured Gary in a while. So, we built on channels, a place for people to hang out and do their thing. Gary's doing that, participating with other people, and uh, yeah, generally keeping the place interesting. So, that's why I built. Hopefully you're enjoying it as much as uh, happened to it. Oh yeah, I'm here all the time. So <laughs> when I'm not at work, with that paychecks probably help weekly yeah. paycheck. I killed the chat. We shouldn't talk about the fat weekly salaries everybody's making on their channel. I uh, saw that Gizzard had a uh, 357 uh, subscriber thing. Maybe he could tell us about that real quick. Oh, I thought he was just having a subscriber contest. It was giving away a 357. All right. <laughs> like, yeah, where's that mag, Gary? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, we hit 357 subscribers uh, about a week ago, and so I'm having a contest to name my little uh, 
my little chicken toy that I keep on my desk, kind of like Sarge did, name the eagle. So that's where I got the inspiration to do it. So I'm having to name the chicken contest. For all my subscribers on YouTube, leave a comment in the video. And then we're going to narrow those down to a bracket and have one of those bracket things here in a week or so. Sweet. I look forward to that. I, I guessed the name. So. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's used the name that I already had for him yet, so that's a plus. There's been some good ones out there. I was just going to say George's girlfriend, but... <laughs> Go ahead and throw it out there. I was been saying from the last conversation, I'm going to throw it out there, though. Um, but if you had a range or something, then selling ammo would be easier. I never really talked about that. Oh, definitely. Or a gun store, or, you know, like if you already had a business like that, a storefront or something, a yeah, it definitely be easier. All right, so do you really need to clean your guns? Yeah. Depends on the gun. Mm -hmm. It's gun dependent. I look at cleaning guns and doing... I look at it the same way as doing an oil change on your car or your truck. It's cheap maintenance and it's cheap preventative maintenance. It doesn't hurt anything to go through and clean it. And to me, it, it keeps it functioning a lot better than if you just let it sit there. Some of my guns shoot better, especially my mostly my rim fires, but they'll actually shoot better dirty than they do clean. And uh, and my like CCW guns, if it's a gun I'm like, you know, trusting with my life. Yeah, I like that gun to be pretty spotless and clean, right? Um, but a lot of like my beater guns and stuff, I just, I don't clean them. I, I, I don't clean them until they malfunction or something happens. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I don't trust my lights with those guns. So they, uh, you know, but a nice collectible gun or a gun that's worth money. That's a different story. Yeah. I, I keep all those guns nice and clean and walk away. See, I think I'm one of those OCD people. At least once a month, I pull everything out of the safe and give it a good clean. It doesn't have to be a thorough one by any means, but just a quick one. See, I totally did that when I was like in my 20s. Now that I'm just like an old man, it's just got to the point where it's like, oh, I don't even care. Like if like, like oh, it's, if it's not what I consider like one of my nicer high-end guns, I just, I, I don't Like Glocks and stuff. Like who needs? Like you don't even need to clean a Glock they, ever. Like who actually cleans a Glock? So most of the time they get, uh, you know, oil or something on them, and then that just gets full of whatever soot. And like you say, that doesn't necessarily turn it gummy or anything. So it's still lubricous, lubricious, whatever the word is. But uh, and I know people say the same thing who go, oh, my guns work fine when they're dirty, so I just run them dirty. Um, I think two things, actually. One would be if you ever have to be called to, I don't know, defend your, uh, your I don't know what the word would be, um, like, not skill set, but like your, how much attention you're paying to your gun, like, you know, your, your mindfulness of it. If you have to use that thing lethally, lethally, 
at some point and it's scrutinized and they look at it and they go, yeah, why did you never clean your gun? Isn't it a normal thing that people clean this? Like, looks like you almost deliberately went out of your way. And that's a whole thing that, why would you want to just bring that up when you don't need to, when it could not be brought up, right? And then the other thing is, if you don't believe that's an issue, because it's uh, not that type of firearm, because there's plenty of firearms that are never going to be used that way. Um, then my thing would be, what's what do you gain by not knowing what the parts look like? One of the things about doing maintenance is to prevent future problems, right? So there's perishable parts and there's cracks that can start or things that can start to peen or wear and show you know, scrapes and stuff. So if you're cleaning it, that means you're intentionally looking at all those different things and being aware of what's going on. When you allow it to get all dirty and you know, it still functions, you really don't know if there's a crack starting or if there's something peeing where it's not supposed to, or if something's goofy, right? Well, like my oh. big thing is, is watching like Yankee setups for in his uh, gun safes is really cool. I forget what kind of rods they are, but he's got them where they help take moisture out and stuff like that. I hate to say it, but most gun owners that I know don't have a setup like that. For So for me, I live in Wisconsin. It can either be humid or completely dry. And if you don't pay attention and the humidity all of a sudden goes up for a drastic amount of time, you could have your gun rusting and not know about it. So for me, I look at that as a potential danger. If I take that out and go to fire it at the range or something, not knowing that a part is rusted or that there's some form of issue that came from moisture getting on that firearm for a prolonged period of time, I'm putting myself and everybody around me at risk at that point as well. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, I'm in a humid state, so I use a golden rod and one of those dehumidifier little... Uh, they're like a steel jar and where you can put them in the oven after they change color. And basically um, I go through all my guns once a month through the barrels with just a mop and some like CLP or something just to make sure. And every time I fire them, I clean them before I put them back away. Like G Webb said, you're not going to know something's wearing out or something's getting a little bit iffy unless you're checking them. And especially if you're reloading your own ammunition, um, not only does the brass tell you what's going on with pressure levels, but also you can tell signs on a uh, slide if you're getting excessive wear or excessive breech face. Um, brassing where it's leaving ton of brass behind on the breech face you can see that you're getting some uh, high pressure now what do you guys use to clean your guns what's your what's your like little what's your setup what's your usual go-to like i'm kind of old school i go to hoppy's number nine for pretty much everything for the cleaning solvent and for the lubrication i use hoppy's pretty much i do use rem oil every once in a while but hoppy's is kind of the company that i grew up with and the one that i continue to trust and i've never had an issue with them gizzard what do you what's your cleaning setup i would say that's pretty much the case now if i take a gun to the range 
I will run a boar snake through it before I ever leave the range just to get the gunk out of the barrel and stuff like that. But uh, when I get home, I have a cleaning kit, and I do use the uh, Hoppies number 9 just like Snowy. Um, I started out using break-free CLP, but I think the Hoppies actually does a better job of getting the gun clean. So I've been going to SHOT Show since 2005, and anytime there's like an open house or something at one of the gun shops, I like to go to those kind of things, and then GSSF matches and other things. So I just have a toolbox that's literally just full of like sample sizes and trial sizes and giveaways and stuff, like you know, every brand that handed them to me, so I've used them all. I like yeah, the hoppies. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, and one thing for me is, like, I always, one thing that I notice a lot of people don't do, but I always keep an extra, like, just a small basic cleaning kit and some extra solvent and oil in my range bag that I take with me. That way, in case there is some type of issue at the range or anything like that, I can go through and clean it at the range before I actually pack it away as well. I keep all my gun, my my gun cleaning stuff in my range bag, so I have everything with me when I'm at the range that I would use at home too. But I also keep a, a microfiber cloth that's uh, soaked in a little bit. Usually, put a tablespoon or two of like uh, plain mineral oil, like you get at the drugstore or something like that, just to use a wipe down cloth. Have you seen those like uh, Teflon or silicone like impregnated gun cloths? So you, like, mm -hmm. you don't put anything on it, you just wipe the cloth on the gun and that's it, you're done? Yeah, I've seen them. I've never used one. I've seen them, but my concern is, is that it, I, for me personally, I'd like to know what specifically is going on to my firearm because if all of a sudden I start using something like that and I've got a lot of pitting or a lot of rust starting to show through or all of a sudden my coating on my firearm is starting to go through, I'm going to be kind of pissed. So I'd like to know exactly what goes into those. And some of those companies that have products like that aren't very straightforward with what they actually use in the material and what they actually use for the chemical that's infused with it. Yeah, that's why for best bet, get yourself a bottle of mineral oil for uh, a couple bucks, maybe even cheaper at Walgreens or Walmart, whatever, and um, put a couple tablespoons in a uh, uh, one of those cloths that won't leave uh, lint behind, and then put that in a quart-sized Ziploc baggie and keep that thing. And you can wipe guns down with it. Mineral oil is one of uh, the oldest lubricants. And it works very well on gun steel and even on wood stocks, wiping it down with it. And as long as you've got a good urethane coating on there, it will not mess up the urethane either. So um, that's a good way to wipe them down, especially if you've been handling them or showing them to you know, friends or family. And then you're putting them back away. Go ahead and just wipe them down with one of those rags. It makes a big difference. And for cleaning, I've just got about every type of cleaning kit you could think of. 
I've, I've actually done commercial cleaning for, you know, um, business and, um, gunsmithing. So I've even got ultrasonic cleaning tanks that, you know, I can put a 24 inch barreled AR 15 or, um, AR 10 upper receiver down into and clean. Um, I use a lot of the old school methods, jags, uh, with, uh, patches, claw, um, uh, like vinyl or, uh, not flannel patches. And, um, you know, hoppies number nine to any other type of bore solvent and, uh, a bronze brush and go through it. Um, as long as you do it, I think, uh, the method is not as, 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 as important as the frequency that you actually do it and the products that you use. Well, and like one big question that I always kind of get curious about is I'm in Wisconsin. We're right in that kind of time where we're starting to switch to the colder weather. It's going to, before I know it, there will be snow on the ground. And one thing that I do is I tend to, I tend to try to find some type of lubricant out there every year that's based as a cold weather lubricant i haven't found one for this year that i want to try out but does anybody else ever switch to that type oh, of yeah. stuff or do they just run the same type of stuff i commonly shoot in very very cold weather right we're talking wyoming and stuff you know 30 below and stuff like that ram oil i swear by ram oil for cold weather it doesn't come up it's the best stuff i've found i've tried all sorts of designer oils so far and the good old-fashioned ram oil is the best I've ever found for extreme cold weather. I've also shot weather sometimes down to 50 degrees, and I'll use slip 2000 for that. <laughs> I'm a slip 2000 guy myself. I've shot in around probably low 40s, high 30s with it, and I believe it's good to well below zero. I think I'm going to try that slip then because average weather around where I'm at gets to be negative 15 to negative 20 pretty easily. So something like that would be interesting. And I'm one of those weird people where I'll still go to an outdoor range in the middle of winter. Get with me after the show and um, I'll send you a trial and see if, what you think of it. Let you give it a whirl. That'd be awesome. I'll definitely do that. So what do you guys use? Do you guys just all use like regular, regular, uh, you know, brushes and patches, and or do you need you guys use like four snakes to clean your guns or anything fancy? You know, fancy machines, Skynet machines to clean your guns or board snakes are good for after the range while your barrel's still hot but cool enough to touch, um, just to get that you know maybe carbon buildup, especially if you're shooting corrosive, like 7.62 or 5.45. Um, but basically, for cleaning, you either want an ultrasonic or you want to go old school and use, you know, a cleaning rod, jags, 
patches and a bronze brush with maybe a mop and uh, get that bore in the chamber, you know, clean of as much carbon as you possibly can. I kind of use a mix where it will be just a regular kit and a bore snake. I, working for the security contractor that I used to, we got like 25 or 30 kits sent to us that forget who actually makes them, but they had combination of boar snakes in them. They had a combination of all the regular bronze rods, their regular rods, pretty much everything you can imagine for gun cleaning kit, this kit included. And I've been using that for a couple of years now and I haven't had any issues with it. And that's when it ended. So, I guess that's it. So, did we have any history today? Ooh, let's see. Um, history. Let's see what's on the history sink for today. Today's the 14th. 14th, yeah. It looks like we're looking at Missouri concealed carry. So it was today in 2016. Can we stop at this one yesterday? I think I screwed up yesterday. Is this one? But anyway, Missouri got their constitutional carry today, the 14th. They're the 11th state to do it. Mm -hmm. And 1872, uh, Britain paid the U.S. $15 million for damages during the Civil War. And they paid over 3 million pounds in damages to the United States in compensation for building the Confederate Commerce Raider, the Alabama. digging through that big sheet yeah i'm i'm looking through it uh that's tough when you're trying to do it solo so oh the soviet space probe luna 2 was the first man-made object to reach the moon on this day am i crazy or we talked about this yesterday i'm on september 14th i think we did 14th yesterday so oh god uh-oh uh-oh so, so that we did the 15th today, then? Maybe we did it at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. So, well, it's fine. Today's Friday, right? Yep. So, I'd love to screw up on a Friday. That's what makes the other show so good. So, I don't know. <laughs> I'm falling asleep. So, I'm going to uh, cut it at this point, which... It's pretty close to being the end. We got 15 minutes. Uh, Travis does his show in the morning. Caliber Corner is he's there. Anybody no different? No, it should be. He's pretty consistent. He's pretty good at that. Okay, well that's what I'm saying. He hasn't posted anything, so yeah, he'll be on tomorrow. Uh, Rick does his show. Rick's life as I see it. I think the show that started it all got him going, and now he's heading out to uh, Indiana. So if you want to 
uh, contribute to that and get in on some rich news. If you want to get in on a chance to win some gifts, um, what do you say? You guys are donating a part or whatever platform it might be required, whatever they have. Yeah, then, yeah, well, they're, we're gonna giving away a gun part from Strike Industries, either for like a Glock, an MMP, or an AR. There's a list that they'll get to choose from. So you, most people have one of those guns, and then uh, they'll also win some Slip 2000 oil um, from David here, and they're also gonna win an awesome uh, like a cleaning box, a gun cleaning box, or a cigar type box um, from uh, Potatoes and Lead that is just beautiful. Gun Channel's custom made box. And they're going to have to contribute at least $100 to get in on this, right? Oh, no. No, like even $1 will get them in on it. But the more they donate, the more entries they get. Um, between 1 and 5 bucks is uh, 1 entry. 5 and 10 is 2 entries. 10 and 20 is 3 entries and so on. So the more you donate, the more entries you get. I know. And that'll help Rick hopefully get out to where he's going to be able to do a little bit more with his two-way uh, adventures. And uh, he shows up more stuff. I know a lot of people watch his show, so hopefully uh, we get some people participating there. And do you have any idea when that's ending? I think I've asked before. Oh, the, I, I believe at the very first of the month. Right uh, let's see. So that was the first two shows that are on tomorrow. Does Snob do a show on Saturday now? I believe some others do as well. Do look over in the channels right now to find out. According to this, this is Friday's show. So why is it still showing it out? In a different time zone? It must be. Nice to see you tomorrow shows over. There we go. Caliber Corner breaks life as I see it. So. Uh, Tardot does clearing the chamber. I think it'll be tomorrow. I haven't been watching emails or seeing things on the main page to see if anybody's changed their extent. That's why I keep doing these with a question mark. This is when they're scheduled to do them. Uh, then you got uh, Snob's Saturday show. Uh, Rich White and Tardot do the unloaded show or did they quit? And then uh, Sarge does a Saturday show now too, later in the evening. So a bunch of stuff happening tomorrow. Uh, are you guys doing anything, you and David? Yeah, this Sunday we'll have our uh, reloading chat this Sunday. And uh, I'll pretty much Sunday, early afternoon, all day Sunday, I'll be milling out an 80% lower live. And we'll just be talking about reloading and guns like usual. Did you get that new fixture? I sure did. I sure did. Right. They totally took care of me, sent it out right away. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to use it. Um, you're not making David wake up early tomorrow to do some sort of project? Nope, nope. Uh, probably after Caliber Corner, if no one else is on, we'll probably do a lobby or something, an open lobby, and you know, just for people to jump in and do whatever, uh, unless someone else has something going on. Uh, right on. I don't know what it will be like on Sunday morning uh, when I go to do the tour of Dragon Man's, but uh, it should be pretty awesome. Uh, We'll uh, be back on Monday to fill in everybody. That'll be sweet. Snowy, you'd say you got anything going on? 
No, I'm just starting to get back into the swing of things. I've actually been off YouTube for about three months now. So probably maybe this Sunday I'll be starting another live chat, uh, probably around 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. If not, it'll start up the week after, and it'll be a continuous weekly show. Right on. Gary, jumping into anything? Do you want anything, anything cooking besides the name bird? Well, I typically do family things on Saturday. I try to jump in if I get the opportunity, jump into chats and stuff like that. Uh, and I do have a, uh, a mail call video from Rick's life as I see it that I'm going to put on the next day or two. And uh, other than that, yeah, the subscriber giveaway is about all I got going on right now. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for jumping in and keeping me going i've been I, th I literally fell asleep twice during the show so uh, uh -oh. i'll pass out here and then uh be back monday oh yeah a quote awesome. a strong body makes the mind strong as to the species of exercises i advise the gun while this gives moderate exercise to the body it gives boldness enterprise and independence to the mind Games played with the ball and others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. Let your gun, therefore, be your constant companion of your walks. Thomas Jefferson. Guys and gals of gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com.